And for Pastor Jimmy and for Elena and Legend, we're going to go ahead and invite you guys up real quick. They didn't know we were going to do this. Um, but we have a present for you. We have been collecting all of our favorite gift cards from all of our favorite places. Um, so fun things around town to do, uh, our favorite restaurants, our favorite grocery stores, Lowe's, because there is surely something that you need to repaint or redo in Thank the parsonage. Um, so these are for you from Thank the whole you congregation. Very much. Oh my and gosh. we are so glad you guys are here. Thank um, you. So. Thank you. you. May be seated. What a privilege to sing praises to our God. It is also a privilege that we can turn to our great God at any moment to pray about whatever it is that's on our hearts and our minds and to know that the God who created the universe hears us and not hears us from some faraway place, but right here among us. So let's go to our good God in prayer. Lord, we are not worthy to be in your presence, and yet you dwell with us. You dwell in us, among us. You inhabit our praises. What an honor. Lord, not only that, you don't, long just to hear our praises, but you want to hear our deepest concerns, the things that frighten us, the things that are giving us anxiety. You want to hear about uh, those that we love, that we are deeply concerned about, because you are concerned about them too. And so, Lord, we, we humbly ask you these requests uh, because you have asked us to ask you. Uh, we, we understand who we're talking to. And the fear, that the, the reverent fear that should come with that. But, but you have told us to approach you as Father. And so we want to lift these people to you right now. Lord, we lift to you Angela, Rhonda, Eric, and James Willoughby and Carla for healing of cancer. Lord, do a mighty work there. We pay, pray for the Rickerson family. We don't always have all the details. I don't know, Lord. I, I've just got Rickerson family here, and so I don't, I don't know the details, but you do, and so I pray for them. I lift them to you. Anita Dusterhoff asks for prayers for her father in hospice, mother in hospice, and brother in hospice. Lord, one of, the, one of the things that we all face, and we'd rather not talk about, but there is an end. And we are grateful for healthcare workers that specialize in those moments, but that doesn't make it any easier for us the ones who see this unfolding, our loved ones, meet their end and go on to be with you. So we pray for comfort for them. We pray for uh, the utmost uh, empathy and sympathy and care in the hospice workers. And we pray for Anita as she has to unpack all of this and what that means 
for the future, how to live beyond this moment. We pray for Carol Kelly and John Hafner, uh, Hafner in nursing homes. They're in nursing homes, and, and uh, so we pray that the community there would be their community. When folks can't be with us uh, here in this place, just because they're homebound or, you know, in centers where they can't be, we pray that they would meet you there in the other residents, in the workers. We pray for Bela Hafner, whose brother is in hospice. Again, we lift that whole thing to you, Lord. Give us strength in the face of death. Give us peace in the face of death. We pray for Patrick Yates, who was in a wreck, presumably a car wreck, and is at this moment in the ICU. Lord, we lift that whole situation to you. That you would be present and a healing touch in and through the nurses and doctors. And we pray for healing and restoration of body, mind, and soul. And then finally, Lord, we lift up an unspoken request for Regina Finch. Again, we don't have the details there, but you do. Because the scriptures tell us that you know the number of hairs on our head. And so nothing escapes your sight. Nothing escapes your love. Lord, I imagine that there are probably unspoken requests in this room. Folks that don't even know how to verbalize the things that they want to pray for, but they just know that they're deeply troubled. And so I just want to pause for a moment for each man, woman, and child in this room to speak to you personally, to lift up those things. Lord, by faith, we believe that you have heard us today. We believe that you are on the move, and we believe that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf when we don't know how to say what we need to say. We thank you for that grace. We thank you for your love. We look forward to the good things that you continue to do in and among us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I would like to invite the kids forward for a special children's time. Y'all would like to go ahead and come on forward, guys. I like the excitement, Zeb. That was some good hustle. <laughs> good morning, good morning. Okay, so we're talking about a word today, and it reminded me of my favorite all-time joke uh, that was actually told to me during a children's time in this church. Um, so it is, what do you call an avocado that goes to church? Okay, it's holy guacamole. I know, it's one of the, one of the best jokes I heard. Um, but that word holy that we use is a very interesting word. How many of y'all have ever heard the word holy? 
Okay, but if I, you know, we sang it a minute ago, but if I asked you to say, what does holy mean, would you be able to tell me? Like, what's the definition of holy? Oh, you would tell me what it is. It's the Lord. Right. So things associated with the Lord are considered holy, right? What else? Any other ideas about what does the word holy mean or what does the word holy mean to you? Okay. Yeah. Praise God. Praising God. Right. The things that we set aside to give to God. So the time that we spend here on Sunday morning, we ask for God to make a holy time when we come together and spend time consecrated to the Lord. And so, um, Kaylee, you got to go to church camp last week and got to have some cool holy moments. Um, and Cassidy, I didn't tell you I was doing this, um, but you got to go on the mission trip and have lots of cool holy moments. Um, so I'm going to let you girls tell us just a really quick holy moment that you had on one of your trips recently. What's something cool that happened where you saw God? Worship. Worship. The daughter of our worship leader, of course. Sees and hears God during worship. Um, so what what specifically during worship? Singing. Singing. Of course. All right. All right. All right, Cassidy, can you think of a time that you got to have a holy God moment on the mission trip or something else recently? I got to make lots of new friends. Got to make lots of new friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we think of that word holy, instead of just thinking holy guacamole, I want us to think about what are those things that are set apart for God, with God, right? Okay, so would you guys pray with me this morning? All right, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and if you would, pray after me. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for making holy things. Thank you for making us holy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all can head back to your seats. We've got some really great children's folders today. Make sure y'all grab a children's folder to work on while you're sitting at your seat this morning. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. And as these scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we might receive what you have for us today. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from... First Peter, it's a long section, okay? So settle in. This is First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 23. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, Kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have to suffer trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. When Jesus Christ is revealed, although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, 
The prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, discipline yourselves, Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially, According to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. A word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, what am I going to do with this Bible? I'm going to put it there. Uh, so you all know I'm a musician, right? I uh, spent the first half of my life as a professional drummer. So I've been around. I've, I've been to concerts. I've performed. One of the things that I know about musicians, maybe you know this too, is that uh, musicians, especially famous musicians, are known for making some kind of crazy demands when they go perform at concert venues. Do you know this? Bands send, before they go play someplace, they send a contract. It's called a rider, a concert rider. And in the rider are all the things that this particular artist needs to have in place when they come to your venue to perform, okay? So I looked it up. Now, now, little little people like me, when I was performing, we didn't we couldn't ask for much. We, we were nobody, right? But some of the bigger ones, I looked them up. I, I wanted you to hear some of these. Paul McCartney. When Paul McCartney goes to perform, he wants no fur or leather anywhere backstage, but he does want six full and leafy floor, floor plants. Okay? That's Paul McCartney. If he doesn't have the floor plants, he's not going to perform. Kanye West, rapper, right? He wants a barber's chair in the green room. He just likes barber's chairs. He wants a barber's chair. That's what he asked for in his writer. Madonna, when uh, before cell phones, Madonna, um, ha she wanted access to 20 international phone lines so that she could call up to 20 friends around the world before her concert. That's just what she wanted. 
Iggy Pop. Anybody know Iggy Pop? Iggy Pop and the Stooges? Okay. Iggy, in his writer, requests, not requests, demands, wants a Bob Hope impersonator. He wants somebody dressed up like Bob Hope telling Bob Hope jokes back in the green room. Crazy, right? One of the most famous uh, uh, of requests on a writer came from Van Halen. Now, Van Halen had a large list of things, but right in the middle, down where the little red arrow is, you know, there's, okay, fresh fruit, right? Fresh fruit, that's fine. Apples, oranges, that's all good. They want some hot water and coffee, that's great. But you get down there with the arrows. They want a bowl of M&Ms with all of the brown M&Ms separated out. This became famous, right? People started hearing about this. Have you heard about Van Halen? When they come, they want all the brown M&Ms separated out of the bowl of M&Ms. Now, they, they didn't do this to be jerks. They, of course, people asked them about this, and they said in later interviews, it wasn't because they thought they were high and mighty and they could just get away with something crazy. It's because they had some very specialized lighting and speakers and things on the stage that, that had to be in the right place. And so they put this little thing in there so that they would know right away when they walked in the green room, if the bowl of M&Ms had the brown ones in it, they didn't read the contract, which means we've got to now go over and look at all the lighting and all the speakers and make sure. Because if you didn't read that, you probably didn't read the rest of it. So that's why they did it. But it became famous, separating the brown M&Ms out. You know... God is in the business of separating things out too. Now, now God doesn't do it as an egotistical move. God, God doesn't even do it as a test to see if we're paying attention. God separates things out. God designates certain things for divine purposes. There's a word for that. We've already said it today in the Bible. The word for designating something for divine purposes. Who said it? Holiness. Holiness. That's the word in the Bible that's used for it. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. You all know the story of Moses and the burning bush. Moses is out tending sheep. He sees this burning bush. He approaches the bush and a voice comes out of the bush and says, Remove your shoes for you are standing on holy ground. The ground around the bush had been set apart and designated for divine purposes. Think about this altar. This altar has been set apart and designated to hold communion elements. It is a holy table, right? Certain days that we have within our calendar are holy days. Christmas Day, Easter Day. We tend to shorten that and say holidays. They're holidays. It's their holy days, right? They've been set apart separated from the rest of the days because they are special days for divine purposes. So ground can be made holy, a, a table can be made holy, a day can be made holy. But it's not just things that are set apart and made holy. People, individuals and groups of people are called holy too. I don't know about you, but when I think about people being called holy, the first thing that I think of is living a good moral life. 
To be holy is to live a good, holy life, holier than thou, holy guacamole. You know, we, we say these things. It means you're living in a way that's, that's, that's uh, 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 clean and pure. In fact, I think some churches uh, that I'm aware of have what's called holiness standards in which there's a list of things that you must do if you want to be a holy person. You live out these rules. But holiness, at least in the biblical sense, we're talking about the scriptures, it's not a set of rules to live by, but it's something or someone that has been set apart by God for divine purposes. Something set apart for God's use. The other thing you need to know is that the opposite of holiness, then, is not dirty or profane in the biblical sense. The opposite of holiness is common or ordinary, right? We can have an ordinary table, and we can have a holy table. And if a table is set apart and designated for God's use, then it probably should not uh, 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 contain ordinary things. It might be a little strange if you came in here on a Sunday and found barbecue slathered all over this table, right? There are ordinary tables that can hold barbecue meat. This is meant to hold the communion elements. And so things that have been deemed holy should be dedicated and set aside for holy use. The same goes for people. For the next five weeks, today and four Sundays, next four Sundays, we're going to be reading through 1 Peter. I don't know if you've ever read 1 Peter before. It's kind of an interesting letter. This is a letter that Peter wrote. Uh, he says in the beginning of the letter, he wrote it to non-Jewish followers of Jesus that were located, kind of spread out in five Roman provinces. Okay? So they're, li they're living in, in, in Roman areas with Roman culture and Roman customs but they're followers of Jesus. But because a follower of Jesus looks different and lives differently, they were being persecuted by their fellow Romans. They didn't look right. They didn't act right. They weren't doing the right things. They were suffering because of this. And so Peter is writing a letter to them to encourage them in their faith as they live out their faith amongst the people who persecute them. He tells them, by faith, you are God's holy people. Just as God approached Abraham all those years before and said, I am designating you and your family. You will be the one through which I will bless the world. Peter says, you are an extension of that. You folks who claim Jesus by faith are part of God's people. You have been set apart. You are holy and because the world was watching them, the world at that time, the Roman world, watching them, they ought to live as holy people. Just like we designate an altar for holy use, Peter says, you need to set yourselves apart for holy use. Especially in light of your suffering and your persecution, because you might be tempted to revert to your old ways, to lash out at them in anger. This is what they're waiting for. This is what they're hoping for. And you need to be different. 
This is the whole point of this letter. I thought this might be a good thing for us to look at, not because we are being persecuted for our faith necessarily. It's quite common to profess Jesus in 2022, at least here in, in the United States or in Texas. But the world is in this weird place right now where uh, we are deeply divided. There is a lot of polarization that is happening in the world and in our country. And I do think, to some respects, the world is watching the church to see how she will respond. In light of everything that's going on, will the church look different? Will the church respond different? Will the church be different? believe that we are part of God's people, which means we are holy and we are set apart, and we do have a calling before us to live differently. And so I thought, well, maybe we should refresh ourselves with Peter, or maybe read it for the first time and find out, well, what does Peter think that should look like? In, in a place where the world is watching, what does that look like? This is what I want to explore for the next few weeks. You know, part of the reason that I was so attracted to Methodism is because John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church, he was very, very concerned with the people called Methodist living out their holy calling. That was one of his deepest concerns. Now, growing up in my church, all the emphasis uh, was placed on coming to faith in Christ, getting saved, uh, being born again. Like that is the ultimate epitome, crux of everything. You pray the sinner's prayer and you secure your, you secure your place in heaven and that's good. That's where all the emphasis was. And John Wesley said, no, that's good. That's really, really good. And that's an important uh, and necessary step. But you don't stop there. You can't stop there. If you pray a prayer and then go about the rest of your life, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to change. And he believed that by cooperating with God's grace, that we are sanctified, we are set apart, we are made more and more like Jesus so that we might reflect the life of Christ to a world that so desperately needs to see Jesus right now, especially. And I think that Peter is falling right in line with this idea. Look at this. Look at, look at verses 3 through 5. Go back, uh, Ken, go back to 3 through 5. Nope, the other one. You had it. Okay, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Right? Okay, you have been saved. God has given you this awesome gift, and it's being kept in heaven for you, undefiled, unfading, unperishable. 
right? It's going to be revealed to you on that last day, like this year. Good, right? Then 13, therefore, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. In other words, you are no longer ordinary people. You have been set apart. You have been given the gift of salvation. It has been promised to you. The deal is sealed. And as a response to this marvelous gift, you should not live like ordinary people. You should live like extraordinary people. This is what Peter is saying. You see, we don't live rightly to be made holy or to be accepted by God. We prepare our minds and we discipline ourselves and resist going back to our old ways because we have been accepted and called holy. And so often we get those two crossed. We get those backwards. You know, when I was a, a teenager, I had spent quite a bit of money on my record collection, my tapes and CDs, a couple eight tracks. I even had a couple eight tracks, right? I spent quite a bit of money. All my favorite bands. And then this strange thing happened. There was this, this movement that happened within our church and within area churches in which rock music, for some reason, secular rock music was targeted and was considered anti-Christian and harmful to young minds. And so we were strongly encouraged by our pastors and by our parents and those in leadership to get rid of that music. Now, now, never mind that all the pastors were listening to country music where they're crying tears in their beer and pining for the woman next door, right? That's okay because it's country music. But rock music... And so before I knew it, my Van Halen CDs and all of my good rock and roll music was in the trash can. I mean, hey, we wanted our pastors to be proud of us. We wanted our parents to be proud of us. Most of all, we wanted God to be proud of us. So yes, we'll throw that stuff in the trash, no problem. And the message that was communicated to me that day, whether they intended to do it or not, I, I can't speak to their motives, but the message that I heard that day was that if you want to be a good Christian, if you want to be accepted by God, if you want to be in God's good graces, then you've got to make good moral choices. That's how you please God. And so then I spent many, many years of my life trying to will myself to live rightly so that God would love me or so that God would use me or so that God would be pleased with me. I still struggle with that. Maybe you do too. It wasn't until much, much later that I realized what Peter was trying to say in this passage. 
that God has already proclaimed His feelings toward us in Jesus Christ on the cross. And that message that was shouted from that cross to us that day was that I am absolutely crazy about you. And I want to set you apart for my good purposes regardless of your performance. This is what I desire to do. I love you. You see, holy living is simply a response to this amazing grace. And maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe this is the first time you've heard this. If that is the case, I'm praying for you because it's going to take a while to untangle some of that. I'm still untangling it in my brain. But if this is true, and I believe it is, if it's true that we live rightly as a response to God's love for us, the gift of salvation, the set-apartedness that we are, where the heck do you begin? Where do you even start? Well, I think in this letter, Peter gives some suggestions. It's not an exhaustive list of things to think about, but some suggestions. And as he ends chapter 1 and begins to really kind of dig into the meat of the letter, this is what he says. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. This is where you begin. This is where you begin. Because you cannot go out into the world and be a holy people, be a different people, at least visibly. You're holy in word, right? God's called you holy. But you can't look any different to the world if you can't start right inside here. If you can't love each other, you're not going to have any success out there. You see, God's love has been poured into our hearts so that we might love each other the way Christ has loved us. Deeply from the heart. One who has been set apart for God's good word, good work, must love others who have also been set apart. So look around at your neighbor. Look around at your neighbor. Every person in this place has been set apart for God's good work. We come to this place and we are different politically. We have different opinions about how things should go. We have strong opinions at times. And yet we're all gathered into this place, right? With the same calling, the same purpose. And Jesus says to his disciples, it is by your love for one another that the world will know that you belong to me. And you wear all the t-shirts and put all the bumper stickers you want on your car. But until you learn how to love each other, the world will never know. That's where it begins. That's where this begins. And so my prayer for us 
as individuals in this place, but also as a body which is called together in this season, in this time, and in this place, that we learn how to love one another deeply from the heart with the love that has been poured in our hearts. It's not even our love to give, right? It's the love of Christ that's been given to us to share freely with those around you. That's my prayer, that we learn to love one another as we dig into 1 Peter and begin to see what it looks like to live like Christ in the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know what it just occurred to me? That day of rejoicing in heaven, we're going to have to love each other in heaven. So might as well practice now, right? Amen. Will you grab the hand of the person next to you and receive this blessing? My brothers and sisters, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved, you are completely forgiven, and you are uniquely empowered. And now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. As you go, may you know there is nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. There's nothing you can do that would make God love you anymore because God's love for you, amen, is not based on your performance. It's based on His amazing grace. And by grace, He says, Beloved, I know everything there is to know about you, and I still think you are the best of the best of the best. Can you imagine what tomorrow would look like if you left here believing that? I think it would be a brand new start. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen.